0: And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit amen. They used anim and ten day the ominimate and Stina. Arise, O Lord, let thine enemies be scattered, let them that hate thee flee from before thy face. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So everybody knows about Veronica's veil, right? Heard about it, seen it, photos. Who is Saint Veronica? During the passion, the courage of her pushed through a mob her veil is at Rome in the Basilica of St. Peter from time immemorial. It has always been considered as one of the most precious relics of the church, of the passion of our Lord, and has been the object of the most greatest veneration of all time. She is a model for those of her sex who are not appointed to defend her his cause by their eloquence, but to soothe his holy face in reparation for the blasphemy of sinners by prayer, praise, praise and adoration. The good thief. He is a model for his ministers who in the work of reparation should defend him publicly. St. John Chrysostom said he had more faith than Abraham, Moses, and Isaiah. He said, quote, These have beheld Christ seated on the throne of his magnificence, surrounded by glory, and they believed, whereas the thief beholds him in agony on the infamous gibbet, yet adores him as if he beheld him on the realms of his glory. He beholds him upon the cross as he prays him, as if he beheld him seated on the clouds of heaven. He beholds him as a criminal condemned to death, yet he invokes him as a god. The emperor Tiberius, when sick, had this cloth brought to Rome and the mere sight of it sufficed to cure him. Tradition says Veronica gave the uh, veil to Pope St. Clement, and obviously it's in St. Peter's Basilica to this day. Saints who had devotion to it, St. Augustine, St. Bernard, Gertrude the Great, St. Mechtil. Also, there's others like John Vianney, uh, uh, St. Bonaventure wrote some poems, and we'll get into the saints we're talking about today specifically. Not a saint, but I guess could be a servant of God, uh, Sister Maria de Saint Pierre, Venerable Leo de Pont, uh, some lady you might have heard of Saint Therese of the Little Flower, the official name is of Saint Therese of the Infant Jesus and of the Holy Face. And if we get time, uh, Saint Sister Maria Perina. First, Sister Maria of Saint Peter, Carmelite in Tours, France. This now let's let's put some baseline in this. The French Revolution. 1789 to 1794. Causes of this: many different causes, famines, class warfare, etc. Uh, idolatry. Uh, the goddess of reason was put on the altar in Notre Dame Cathedral. Uh, they killed a lot of priests and religious, dragged them, in, dragged them out, killed them, put tied them up together. If you heard about the baptism or marriages in the water, in the uh, uh, the War of the Vendee, they literally would strip them down, tie them together throw a boat out there and let it sink. They had holes in it. Uh, Firing squads. Uh, If you look at pictures of the Vendee region, you'll see, if you're familiar with the Vietnam Memorial, uh, each parish has its own, kind of like a memorial in there of how many people died during this this time in French history. Uh, It was a genocide that leaders like Stalin, Lenin, uh, Hitler, and others uh, actually said they used as a blueprint for what they did. And every revolution since then has been a remnant of that. We'll get into that soon too with Karl Marx. Uh, they ch- destroyed churches. They changed the calendar. You probably heard that. They made a 10-day calendar. Uh, people were just falling over because of that. Uh, this started this was this started over counted year. They started over the years. So if you see like read Godin Garanger, for example, you'll see him talk about the year 19 or year 20-something, or, or you'll see somebody write the year 40. It makes no sense to our mind, but to them, the French Revolution started at zero. It was, a, it, was a re- it was a way to get rid of religion and get rid of God. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design, of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design. French historian François Furet, if I'm, if you're French, and I misspelled that and mispronounced that, uh, forgive me. Uh, he died in the round 1994ish. He argued that the French Revolution never ended. Uh, it is the seed of socialism, communism. Uh, every revolution is a daughter of this. The 26th of August, 1843. So that's roughly 50 years since the revolution, quote unquote, ended in France. This is from the right. is an 1800s book, uh, The Life of Sister Marie de Saint, uh, Saint Pierre. It took place on the 26th of August, 1843, the day after the celebration of the Feast of Saint Louis, who is specially honored as the protector of France the defender of Roman Church, and the avenger of the Divine Majesty, outraged by blasphemy. If you all don't know, St. Louis, if he hurts somebody by blasphemy, would literally uh, brand them. And they would not do it again. It, one time, and you're done, basically. The date is not without signification, which, we, which I will mention a little bit on. Uh, the sister continues. Then he unfolded his heart to me. She's talking about our Lord. Concentrating there in the powers of my soul and address me thus. My name is everywhere blasphemed. Even little children blaspheme it. Remember this is 1849. Turn on the TV lately? And he made me understand how that dreadful sin pierced and wounded his heart. I, more than all other crimes, by blasphemy the sinner outrages him to his face. Attacks him openly and pronounces upon himself his own judgment and condemnation. Blasphemy is a poison dagger, an dagger, wounding his divine heart continually. He told me that he would give me a golden dagger with which to wound him delightfully and heal the poison wounds caused by sin. The following is the prayer which our Lord dictated to me, notwithstanding my unworthiness for the reparation of blasphemy against his holy name. He offered it to me as a golden dagger, assuring me that every time I say it, I would wound his heart most lovingly. I'm sure pretty much everybody might have already heard this prayer before. It's May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most unknown, and most incomprehensible name of God be adored, praised, loved, and blessed, loved, and, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, or in hell, by all the creatures formed by a sacred hand and by the loving heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. Amen. People have kind of gone turned back on the in hell part. But remember, purgatory is down there. It's the same heating system. You're just, you're not, you're going to get out of that. As she said, I was a little astonished when our Lord said, and in hell, and had the goodness to make me understand, and his justice was there glorified. I beg to remark that he did not only mean the place where the wicked are punished, but also purgatory, where he is loved and glorified by the suffering souls. The word hell is not merely applied to the place where the damned are confined, for our faith teaches us that the Savior descended into hell or limbo, where the souls of the just were detained until his coming. And does not our holy mother, the church, pray for a divine spouse to deliver the souls of her children from the gates of hell? Our Lord said, or she continues, Our Lord, having given me this golden dagger, added, Beware how you appreciate this favor, for I shall demand an account of it. At that moment, I seemed to behold flowing from the sacred heart of Jesus, wounded by this golden dagger, torrents of grace for the conversion of sinners, which sight gave me confidence to ask, My Lord, do you then hold me responsible for blasphemers? He also said, I am seeking other Veronicas to soothe and adore my holy face, which has so few worshipers. The focus of this devotion. Now, this particular image did not show up for about six months after she died. We'll get to that. But this devotion is par- focused on reparation. Reparation is fixing the problems that you see going on right now. And it, we get into it as the first three commandments. First, atheism and its promotion. The religion of communism is atheism. Idolatry. Think about today. Games, sports, money, Dare I say Pachimama was put on the altar of St. Peter's Basilica? Parallel that with Goddess of Reason on the altar of Notre Dame. Uh, sports. I was you couldn't find a bigger Panther fan than I. We'd go in, you ever you go to a stadium, what's everybody doing? They're dressed for the Sunday in their Sunday best. I'm not picking on the same guy. <laughs> They're dressed for their Sunday best. You got the mantras, you get there early. You leave late, and everybody comes in with the bells ring. And there's no bells, but you get there before the kickoff. The second is blasphemy. Jesus said it was like a poison arrow being shot through the bosom of the father. Where's the other? The the children went already dead, so I don't have to do that again. Imagine everyone doing this. You end up with ungodly laws and an ungodly society. 1840s, you had Warren pornography rampant uh, one of the big things with the French Revolution was uh, E. Michael Jones talked about this in Libido Dominandi porn was so rampant you get uh, the Marquis de Sade uh, Sa- the, yeah, Sa- uh, the sadist comes from his name he did some unheard of evils unbridled passions you get untru- unbridled uh, violence they were cutting people's heads off and putting them on pikes how's porn to this day I think there was a sermon that I have on the channel that has the combinations of the income of the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball do not equal to what the porn industry brings in. They have that much more coming in. What country is pure? Ireland. They gave abortion and gay marriage. Italy, Malta. Name your Catholic country. They're in the folds of this. Everybody is involved in this. Every state. The third commandment. Profane Sundays and Holy Days. How many go to Mass anymore? Just in the last year. How many people you know ain't going to Mass anymore? Used to be. How many people you know fell away from the faith? And you could say that everyone would raise their hand. Nowadays you can say. How many people know somebody that left Mass in the last year and a half, two years? Bishops all closed down the church over What? They ain't coming back. There's a little, Chicago, Diocese of Chicago closed 123 churches just last month. Cincinnati, 70. They ain't the only two dioceses. Again, parallel with the French Revolution, they literally destroyed churches. These churches are becoming the ones now, you can look up in Europe skate parks. They got ramps. Bars. Philadelphia's got a bar, I think it was, that's pretty popular. Uh, nightclubs. Uh, I remember my wife and I lived in Denver for four years We, there was the, the church of weed and I remember driving by going oh, thank God it's Angleton. Uh again I don't think it's just one or two along with um, along with communism and if we look today in the United States the and if we look today in these United States, we check off the 10-point plan of the Communist Manifesto of Karl Marx. One, the abolition of property and land and application of all rents to, of land to public purpose. If we look forward to the Great Reset, uh, you've heard the phrase, you will own nothing and be happy. Global communist movement. A heavy Number two, a heavy progressive and graduated income tax. Three, abolition of all rights of inheritance. We've had places with the death tax. Four, confiscation of property of all immigrants and rebels. Uh, Just a couple years ago, the BLM out in uh, uh, Idaho, was it Idaho? Uh, Washington, confiscating the farms. Centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. You have that now with the Fed, and you have that now with global, the IMF. They've actually come out talking about a global currency, which they can control. For example, in cash, uh, we don't know, for example, who's using a $100 bill today. We don't know who is using a 1,000 peso bill today. Uh, A a key difference with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Centralization of means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. Uh, Censorship, anybody in the last year and a half? You've seen that everywhere. Uh, Digital passports. Just the other day, they come out saying 22 states have agreed with it without you even knowing about Forbes magazine talked about for yeah, Forbes.com even red states are using it are going to do it and most countries have it I think 90% even with the digital currency 90% of the countries are all for it some have already implemented it number seven extension of faculty, uh, fact number seven extension of uh, factories and instruments of production owned by the state the bringing and the cultivation of wastelands and improvements of the soil, generally in accordance with the common law, or with the common plan. You hear that? <laughs> Sustainable development. You see that with government control the uh, uh, companies, corporations, especially in the last couple years. Equal liability of all to labor. Establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. You know, one of the big things about communism was to get the mother out of the house so that the state could raise their kids. We'll get to that one in a little bit. But you see, equal liability of all to labor. How, you saw that the last, especially the last couple Everybody's talking about equality. Equality, equality, equality. McDonald's is now $20 an hour. Target, $22 an hour. Uh, and that, and that's not including in hiring. Uh, you're not even hiring based on can you work or not. Now it's just what kind of woke check boxes can you get in nine combination of agriculture with manufacturing and industries gradual ob- abolition of the distinction between town and country by more equitable distrib- distribution of the population over the country government taking over food industry you see that now even with the reset they talk about owning bill gates owns how much how much uh, farms right now And they're wanting to run, control the food process, get rid of meat, make you eat bugs somewhere because of the common good of the environment. Fake meats, which have no uh, nutritional uh, good for the human body. They won't eat that stuff. You will. Us serfs will. Number 10, free education of all children in public schools. Abolition of children's factory labor in its present form. Combination of education with industrial production. Free education for all children. Public schools. State-run public schools. It's a communist plank. Number 10, if you're for public school system, you can at least say you're 10% in favor of communism. So let's say you're not convinced on the communism part. Let's look at the 1928 Socialist Party platform presidential campaign, which they ended up stopping because the GOP and the Democrats were doing it for them. Number one, nationalization of our natural resources, beginning with the coal mines and water sites, particularly at Boulder Dam and Muscle Shores. Number two, a publicly owned giant power system under which the federal government can cooperate with the states and municipalities in the distribution of electrical energy to the people at cost. Number three, national ownership and democratic management of railroads and other means of transportation and communication. Number four, an adequate national program for flood control, flood relief, reforestation, irrigation, and reclamation. Number five, immediate government relief of the unemployed by the extension of all public works and a program of long-range planning of public works. All persons thus employed to be engaged at hours and wages fixed by bona fide labor unions. Number six, loans to states and municipalities without interest for the purpose of carrying on public works and the taking of such other measures as will lessen widespread misery. Number seven, a system of unemployment insurance. Number eight, a nationwide extension of public employment agencies in cooperation with city federations of labor. Number nine, a system of health and accident insurance and of old age pensions as well as unemployment insurance. Number 10, shortening the workday and securing to every worker a rest period of no less than two days in each week. Number 11, enacting of an adequate federal anti-child labor amendment. Number 12, abolition of the brutal exploitation of convicts under the contract system and substitution of a cooperative organization of industries in penitentiaries and workshops for the benefit of convicts and their dependents. Number 13, increase of taxation on high income levels of corporation taxes and inheritance taxes, the proceeds to be used for old age pensions and other forms of social insurance. Number 14, approbation by taxation of the annual rental value of all land held for speculation. Yeah, the promises with this, because if you're thinking it's pretty much a uh, hopeless cause, this. Is the- the devotion I shall receive in themselves by the impression of my humanity a bright irradiation of my divinity and shall be so illuminated by it and in their inmost souls that by their likeness to my face they shall shine with the brightness surpassing that of many others in eternal life. St. Mechtild, having asked our Lord that those who celebrate the memory of his sweet face should never be deprived of his amiable company. He replied, Not one of them shall be separated from me. Our Lord, said "Our Lord said Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, had promised me that he will imprint his divine likeness on the souls of those who honor his most holy countenance. This adorable face is, as it were, the seal of divinity, which has the virtue of reproducing the likeness of God in the souls that are applied to it. By my holy face, you shall work miracles. And we will get to that because, uh, in sports terms, uh, the goats, Venerable Leo Pont." Was told by Pius the Ninth, the greatest all miracle worker of all time, and nobody knows who that guy is. By my holy face, you will obtain the conversion of many sinners. Nothing that you ask in making this offering will be refused to you. If you knew how pleasing the sight of my face is to my Father, as in a kingdom you can procure all you wish for with a coin marked with the Prince's effigy, so in the kingdom of heaven you will obtain all you desire with the precious coin of my holy humanity, which is my adorable countenance. All those who honor my holy face in the spirit of reparation will, by doing so, perform the office of the pious Veronica. According to the care you take in making reparations of my face disfigured by blasphemies, so will I take care of yours, which has been disfigured by sin. I will reprint therein my image and render it as beautiful as it was on leaving the baptismal font." And finally, our Lord has promised me, said again, Sister Marie St. Pierre, for all those who defend his cause in this work of reparation by words, by prayers, or in writings, that he will defend them before his Father. At their death, he will purify their souls by effacing all the blots of sin and restore to them their primitive beauty. I could also say I'm doing for selfish reasons then. He who is mighty has done great things unto me, and holy is his name. This is the title of Our Lady of the Holy Name of God, which she asked to have uh, used in this devotion. Our most holy and most worthy mother of God, most, mercy, most powerful advocate of Christians, I place the cause of the holy name of God into thy hands. I believe this, this is Sister Marie, I believe this little prayer touched the tender and compassionate heart of my blessed mother, for while offering, I felt convinced that she actually accepted it. O O holy virgin, said I, deign to receive this new title, for thou art really our lady, the holy name of God, since thou art the daughter of the father, the mother of the son, and the spouse of the Holy Ghost, and that thou dost thyself proclaim that he has done great things unto thee, and that his name is holy. Verily, O blessed Mary, thou thou art the honor and glory of the holy name of God, for thou art the masterpiece of his hand, of him who has operated such wonders in thee. Therefore, I style thee, O Lady, of the holy name of God. Again, all this, the reparation for the holy name of God. There was already an arch confraternity at this time, again, underneath St. Louis and St. Martin, the patron of France. But there's also the practice, uh, the sacramental called the Little Gospel. Uh, Sister Maria St. Pierre, uh, Put in, it says, by inspiring me with the pious practice of the wearing of the gospel of the circumcision. Quote, the devil uses every means in his power to snatch from our Lord the inheritance won by his holy cross, and he is incessantly seeking to rob this good shepherd of the sheep purchased at so great a price. To prevent this ravenous wolf from approaching the sheepfold, Jesus desired, as he made me understand, that I should proclaim to all that his sheep were marked with his holy name and carried about them the gospel announcing to all nations that the word incarnate was named Jesus. My admirable Savior made me understand the depth of virtue contained in that sacred name, the very mention of which puts the devil to flight. Those who will have recourse to this act of piety will receive great graces. He told me also to place below this gospel the words recalling the victory which he had gained over Satan in assuming, through love of us, the name of Jesus. This little devotion was, first of all, approved of by my superiors, their charity permitting the gospel of the circumcision to be printed and a picture of the infant Jesus to be engraved on the same leaf with the initials of his adorable name. The leaf was then folded and enclosed in a small covering of woolen material on which was embroidered a cross with the sacred heart. It was to be worn as a medal around the neck. It also received the approbation Of the Vicar General as being in conformity with the spirit of the Church, for we see from history that the first Christians had the habit of wearing the Holy Gospels. The Lord afterward informed her that as this grace had been drawn from his heart, that the engraving of the Sacred Heart together with the instruments of his passion should be stamped on the little covering containing this gospel, which would answer the same purpose as the seal on a reliquary which guarantees the authenticity of the relic. In honor of the five letters which form the name of Jesus, and in virtue of his five wounds, he promised to grant five special graces to all who would practice this devotion. One, to preserve them from death by lightning. Two, to protect them against the snares and the malice of the devil. Three, to deliver them from a sudden and unprovided death. Four, to assist them to advance in the path of virtue. Five, that he would give them the grace of final perseverance. These little Gospels require no other blessing than that given to the palms used on Palm Sunday in commemoration with the triumphant entry of our Lord into the city of Jerusalem. Christ stressed the urgency of these prayers and asked her personally to go to the Pope about this. One thing she didn't do was go to the Pope. It wasn't out of negligence. It's, there was already, like I mentioned before, there was already an arch-confraternity. She didn't have the confidence to go to the Pope herself. She did go to a bishop. Uh, I think I mentioned that in a little bit. But nobody said anything. The arch-confraternity. Sit nomen domini benedictum. May the name of the Lord be blessed. If you join that, you get a cross. that says on the front and on the back, says, Vade, Vade satana. Pius IX, then but two years raised to the Pontifical Chair of St. Peter, received this petition with enthusiasm and exclaimed, the reparation is a, world, is a work destined to save society. Which words have become the watchword of the zealous associates? The Holy Father granted the desirous indulgences and by a brief, dated July 30, 1847, raised the association to the dignity of an arch confraternity. I already mentioned that part. Our Lord said to Sister Marie, souls being tossed in a whirlwind and descending into hell. As one lady said, our Lord didn't mince words. When you think about that with Fatima, they the vision of hell in and, and lords with penance. Communism. 29 March 1847 was apparition request of this. Now, remember, communism wasn't around until 1848. The word of it wasn't. Karl Marx can come out with it, published the manifesto February 1848, March 29, 1847. Our Lord says the Savior enjoined Sister Marie through her prayers and instruments of his passion to make war on the communists who are the enemies of the church and her Christ. He tells her that whereas the weapons of the enemy inflict death, the weapons of his passion restore life. This revelation strikes an unprecedented peak, stressing the militancy of the church on earth as it demonstrates the power of the individual soul to forge her will against the powers of evil through prayer. It must be so far, after all, the battle real and actual which goes on between the church and hell is not a battle of guns and mobilized divisions in uniform, for Satan has none of these at his disposal, but he employs only his formidable will of evil to spread disaster. Coping with this force, the church's militant members forge their wills of good through Christ to defeat the powers of the infernal regions. You think of the words to a sister, a Carmelite, I make, make war, I want you to make war on the communists. What have the communists done in the last 150 years? This is all taken from the Golden Arrow book. You can get this at Tan. Uh, it's a shorter version of the life of Sister Maria St. Pierre. The Declaration of Man and the Citizen had been crucial in Marx's own philosoph- philosophical and political evolution. He mentioned that the French Revolution was a blueprint for him to come up with the Communist Manifesto and how the Bolshevik Revolution came to be. She never approached the Pope like she was asked to. Jesus told her Satan would do everything in his power to keep these prayers from going public. She approached the bishop in silence. Nothing happened. So she asked to become a victim soul, and she ended up getting tuberculosis. Her mouth, tongue, and throat inflamed so great that she could barely speak. And a wasp is reported to sting her in the mouth, which made it even worse. So she used this. She offered up her uh, reparation for blasphemy. She died on July 8, 1848, with all her work locked up in a vault. The victim's soul for the salvation of France. Fast forward 16 months later, the Epiphany, 1849, is January 6. The veil is taken out for veneration. Normally, it's They'll do it for some uh, processions, but mostly for Passion Sunday. So this was particularly special because Pius IX had prayer vigils because he was not in Rome. He was in Gaeta, exiled, basically. He, he was worried that he was going to get killed. His right-hand man was, was uh, uh, martyred. Uh, his life was in danger. Two years, he stayed there. He asked all the churches to be open for prayer vigils. So they bring the veil out, and again... Imagine this, but dark. How many years? 1,800 years later, dust, dirt. Uh, It probably wasn't taken care of like it is today in technology that we have. So you could barely make out anything from especially a distance. So they bring the veil out. You can barely make anything of it. All of a sudden, Christ's face appears downcast and a light glowing around the face. Cannons start ringing the bell. People start getting excited. People start running into St. Peter's Square. Uh, this lasted for three hours. The Spirago Catechism says, <laughs> funny in, this, in their thing on blasphemy. Uh, and the reason why I say it's funny is because the priest that does this, uh, he's doing it in Papastranze. Uh, he's done 109 uh, episodes. And I'm the one that edits the name for them. And say, <laughs> 109 episodes. And you talk about that one today. I'm putting this thing together. So. There's no quinketings. It showed how he was maltreated by the barbarous soldiers. In fact, this image affords striking evidence of the irreverence of man towards God. The sight of it inspires us with pious horror and heartfelt contrition. Just imagine. Remember, uh, they beat his face. They spit in his face. If you read the scriptures, they, they did every the crown of thorns, they punched him. Everything was, a, a ton of stuff was done to his face. Yes, his, his body was whipped and all, etc. but his face was basically destroyed and looked like a leopard. Pius IX asked to get artists to interview and sketch what eyewitnesses saw. Obviously, there was no photographs. Nobody busted out their iPhones and started clicking anything at this time. It was 1848, 1849. So, just like if you see on TV when they you hear about somebody uh, robbing a bank or something, you get a sketch. These guys, they asked many people, eyewitnessed and did sketches. So, this is a sketch. And there's multiple originals because, say, like all y'all out right there saw it, and they had three or four guys do the sketch, and they'd ask you, ask you, ask you. Everyone saw a different. Not that they saw the same thing, but they described it differently. You know what I mean? Still the same person, different viewpoints. So he told everyone. To, he, told, he told the Vatican to make copies, Pius IX, and told them to touch it to the veil, the original Veronica's veil, the relic of the True Cross, and the spear. So that has been touched to three of the greatest relics in the church history. One priest said it's above a class one. Because of that, he said, frame them and send them all, all over the world, mainly to religious carmels, etc., things like that. You did Joe Blow in, I don't know, East Main Street, France Then get that. In Alicante, Spain, this again, Sparago Catechism, uh, Catechism brings this up. After a long drought, a picture of the Holy Face was carried in procession. A tear was seen to roll from the eyes of the picture. And a few days later, rain fell abundantly. Now, I mentioned about the date's significance. Here's the quote from Sister Maria de Saint Pierre on the on the date. Another remarkable coincidence happened on the same day, the 26th of August. A pious gentleman had distributed among several of the communities of Tours a prayer in honor of the Holy Name of God to obtain the intercession of Saint Louis, or Saint Louis, King of France. The dispersion of the enemies of that divine name. This prayer had been recited before the feast of St. Louis, and what was more admirable still in the dispensations of divine providence was that the prayers had been circulated among all the religious houses of the city, as was afterward learned, the Carmelites alone being forgotten. On the very next day, the Lord communicated to the most unworthy of his servants the fruit of the prayers of these holy souls. The very pious gentleman in question is no other than Leo de Pont, the holy man of Tours. For years he had burned with an ardent zeal for the reparation of blasphemy, and as a natural consequence with the great devotion of St. Louis, king of France. This fervent Christian, as the sister relates, had received with great joy the formula of prayers called the Quarantine of St. Louis, which had come to Tours by post no one knew from whence in the early part of July 1843. Madame de Chaise, Religious of the Sacred Heart, considered as one of the foundresses of the institution, was the first to receive 30 copies. She gave one to the pont who lost no time in having more printed. The prayer was in honor of the holy name of God and in reparation for blasphemy. On the copy distributed among the faithful, there was the following. From the 16th of July to the 25th of August, inclusively, the faithful are called upon to unite in prayer for the necessities of the church and state. May thy name, O Lord, be known and blessed in all times and in all places. This prayer had been recited during the 40 days prescribed in all the communities of the city. But what was most astonishing was that, notwithstanding the intimacy existing between the Pond and the Carmelites, besides the circumstance that the quarantine seems to have been put under the protection of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, the mother prioress and her daughters, as the sister remarked, had not the slightest knowledge of the event. The day after the Feast of St. Louis, 26th of August, immediately after the last day of the quarantine, the pious sister received the divine communication of which we have spoken, meaning the, uh, the golden dagger. We cannot but be forcibly struck with the coincidence, as well as with the affinity existing between the words of the quarantine, May thy name be known, blessed, and those of the dagger... Inspired by S- Sister Marie Saint Pierre, the same day, may the holy name of God be forever praised and blessed. This comes into Leo de Here's a kind of a photo of I got his prayer cards over there. It's the only ones in existence. I have a friend of ours in uh, Missouri, uh, Vicky, I think it's Missouri. She made them up and sent them out, so she's touched them to her relic too. Holy face images over there. They're all been touched at to a relic. The Holy Man of Tours. He was called that because people would just write him and just say, To the Holy Man of Tours. He lived in Tours. So, three years after this miracle event in 1849, two of the copies made it back to the Tours convent. Nobody knew about the sister. The Pope didn't know about it. Only person that knew about it in the convent was her superior. Even during one of the, one of the promises was like, uh, Your house, everything, the works of your house will be taken care so of uh if they were struggling for money or something like that it's kind of like the is the infant of uh, Prague you can put your confidence in you, you know it's just like the uh, the uh, per Maria Perina with the medals they found money to be able to print these so they would say these prayers and miraculous things would happen to confident and they didn't know what was going on except for Maria St-Pierre and Mother Superior so they would have a little joke with it with our Lord about you know just holy humor Leo knew about it because he was basically a businessman, zealous businessman that would take care of anything anybody needed. So if the carmel needs something, he had the money to do it. He would, and <laughs> Sister Marie was, a, was the porter, so she would open the door. So outside the convent, he was the only one in the world that knew. He knew Dom Geringet. If you know about the lit, uh, liturgical year, he would, they were good friends. He said he listened listened to his uh, lectures. Jean-Marie Vianney. Uh, Jean-Marie said to him, it's in uh, somewhere in the many footnotes in here, uh, we will see each other in heaven. It's the first time he met him. He says underneath, it's kind of blurry, but I think he make it. He goes, that made my day. Uh, Julian, Peter Amard, uh, almost like the who's who. This guy knew. Like, again, he had money. Uh, he was huge on reparation. He saw... St- I could go on for days about Leo. I'm trying not to. He saw like an impure image, 18, 1840s, 1850s. Define impure. I mean, Sears catalog 50 years ago was impure. He saw an impure image at a at a business, sidekicked it, paid the guy for the damages, told him never to do it again. He's in a car, in a not a car. He's in a cab, their cab, and the driver is blaspheming the Lord, punches him in the face. Leo does. And he goes, says, what are you doing? He goes, you, you, uh, you, you offended me, sir. And he talked about, if you, if you offended my God, you offend me. And he did it again. He goes, you do it again, punch me in the face. Because after a while, he got tired of hitting people. And uh, one joke he was, was, he goes, every corner you give, I'll give you a quarter. By the end of the drive, the guy got five bucks. And a Benedict Mel. This guy loved St. Benedict Mel, would hand it out like hotcakes to people. There was a threat of a dam being busted. I think it was the Lorry River, maybe something like that. I can't remember the river. And this man was a man of faith. One of his friends said, this man has too much faith, if you can believe that. He threw some St. Benedict medals in the river and goes shrugged his shoulders. His, the thing was he shrugged his shoulders and took it off. So he threw St. Benedict medals off. Have a good day. Nothing happened. And we'll get back there it was a miracle at his house something like that later. He, also, he was a big fan of Lourdes, La Salette, uh, use the, uh, the miraculous metal as well. Again, uh, cured <laughs> anybody that walked in the door didn't walk into the door. We'll get to that. Let's see. Uh, where was that? He saw God's will in everything. Some people will say, you're a providentialist. He literally looked at God's will. The rain's coming down. God wants the rain. I want it to rain. It's hot out. God wants it hot. I want it hot. Violence, anything he saw, God's hand in it somehow. In Tours, fourteen churches were destroyed in the French Revolution. He would kneel in prayer at their site every night. This again, this guy. Imagine, not not to use someone is maybe controversial. Donald Trump to the fifteenth power, kneeling at fourteen churches every night in preparation at their altars. He also helped find the tomb of Saint Martin, because the communi- the uh, French Revolution guys wanted to bulldoze the church that it was in, and pretty much put some uh, desecrate the tomb. Saint Martin was the man of Tours or France. The joke was Saint Martin uh, had one more miracle to do because they tried to put a road over his tomb, and the road came like a quarter of a mile north of the of the tomb. Anyway, there's a long story about how they found his uh, his uh, his tomb in this, this is cool story he ended up being in the bi- basement of a house, and they just had this Im- They just had this humming, uh, hum, you know, like humming noise of singing songs. The closer they got, and it was behind a wall. They could smell incense, and they ended up busting down the wall and the, the tombs in like a big grotto type deal. If you know the history of how they found Saint Anne's relics, almost the same thing when a blind deaf kid walks down some steps underneath an altar and finds her relics. We got some great stories. Uh, Pius IX called him the greatest, greatest miracle worker of all time. Uh, he burnt an oil lamp before the Holy Face image. He got that idea because he had a statue, Our Lady Our Hope, I think it was called, and he just had a, just put it up, put an oil, kind of like one of those floating ones you see, the Orthodox you have, and he would sometimes annoy people with it. So, but he did it with this. He also had it in front of the Bible. So if this was the wall, he had the Holy Face over there and the Bible over there. You know, not just like a, maybe a 12 foot wide room. And his desk was in the middle. So he, he, had both, he had both. He was in the middle of what he called two faces of our Lord. He, said of, he had a Latin and a French Bible, too. And this, this was one of these guys that could open up the book, point, and know the verse backwards and forwards. He knew the scriptures, memorized it. But he wasn't a theologian. Scripture is his quote. Scripture is the face of God. Before that face, as before the holy face, the fire ought to burn day and night. Jesus cannot be divided. Now he he originally did that in the middle towards the uh, it was a passion week yeah towards the end of Lent, and afterwards he just said oh, well you know it's such a pious thing I'll just keep it going for another couple of weeks. Uh, then the miracles started happening. Uh, more on scripture. I thought this was just really cool. Uh, on Job, I mean, ever thought about praying to Job. Yes. I, I, don't I don't think of Job, unfortunately. Quote, I must own that I have never thought about him, Job. Yet, with my violent, irascible temper, temper I ought indeed to ask him for patience, which I greatly need. He immediately rejoined, you are, you are wrong not to invoke him. Read. And then he led me to the front of his desk and read these words to me out of the book of Job. Go to my servant Job and offer for yourselves a holocaust, and my servant Job shall pray for you. His face, will I accept that folly be not imputed to you. This is Leo. You see, my friend, God promises to grant Job's prayer, a promise which he has not personally made to anyone else in the holy books. He added that we never lose our time in praying for others. It was when he was praying for his friends that Job was delivered. Oh, the Battle of Satan. Now, Sister Marie, uh, at night, used to get beat up by the devil. Leo, too. He has, there was a, let me just pull that story out real quick. With reference to the Holy Man's nocturnal events with the devil, it was about the year 1858 and 1859, she did not remember well which, when Monsignor DuPont occupied a room on the second floor. This is a hotel. Next to that, the Curé of Noranda. In the Diocese of Nivers, during the night, the curé heard a noise as violent and prolonged struggle. He became such a, much alarmed, and thinking there was a robber in the house who had gotten into the neighbor's room, he, in his terror, bolted his own door. Similar noises occurred during the following night, and then the curé reported the fact to the mistress of the house. At breakfast, the lady spoke of the disturbance, of which her guest complained and laugh, laughingly accused Monsignor de or Monsieur Monsieur Pont of having been fighting with the devil. As he remained silent, she then altered her tone and inquired whether he really needed assistance, for she feared he was seriously incubated in some way. No, he hastily replied. I do not need any human assistance. It would be useless. One of his habitual weapons against the devil, which he recommended to all, was the Medal of Saint Benedict. As for himself, he feared not Satan, strong in the armor of faith, hope, and charity. Let us advance in the love of God, he would say, and Satan will be forced to fly. He can be at ease only in his own fire hell, ever since he admitted hatred into his heart and place of charity. Love, he declared, was torture to his fiend, and the sure guard of the heart against him. He has told us too, where that love is, to, where that love is to be found. Quote, Since we cannot descend into hell to chain up Satan here, let us go to the heart of Jesus in search of the weapons wherewith to combat him on earth. He also started the nocturnal adoration, so all night adoration. If you read uh, Father Mateo's book, uh, "Jesus, King of Love." Uh, in Italy there was thousands of men that would get together at night, usually Thursday nights all night to do nocturnal adoration Father Nateo does also, they had so many people think of this, in Chicago uh, a million people were doing adoration at the home, he called it uh, the city of the sacred heart Chicago think about Chicago today Uh, he saw La Salette as proof Sister Maria was right I remember our lady lost that divisions, uh, penance, holy name, blasphemy, uh, Sunday day being poo-pooed on, basically. Uh, it was this, literally the same messages. He was a natural leader and very zealous. Um, his miracles would fill volumes, even if they were abridged. Again, Leo uh, Pius and I called him the greatest miracle worker in the history of the church. Before I heard that, that was St. Vincent Frere, where they said it was a miracle that he didn't perform miracles. So this is a layman, all because of the oil that he was using in the prayers for the Holy Face. He would tell people, I am not a doctor. It is Christ who is the doctor. Uh, healings, if not instant, he thought they would be a novena. So literally, he would give, the first miracle, somebody had some had problems with her eyes. He put some oil on their eyes. Perfect vision. Some people, they come in with crutches, he had a room full of crutches, bandages, things like that. There was a lady that had uh, some kind of humps on her back. That uh, imagine her dress three times too big. When she left, they had to pin her dress together because she lost that much skin. Um, from hundreds of miles away, she he would get a letter. Please pray for so and so, and he would look and say, "You know what to do," and, well, and the guy was converted or healed or you know. It was it was incredible. The stories of you it know, were just. The abridged, abridged, or abridged is literally six chapters of this. Uh, he shipped out uh, the oil everywhere. And at one point, this is in uh, 1852, May 3rd, I have given away more than 8,000 little bottles of oil. And the crowds increased. Usually his uh, biggest days were Saturdays, but after the <laughs> after people started hearing about it, we're talking, you know, hundreds a day, especially on weekends. Uh People would come off the train here. Hey, where's the holy man of Tours house? And the cops would say he's right over there and take a block to right. wreck. Uh, and it was not only bodily cures alone, but conversions of souls that came to the aid and consoling witnesses. Men who had no religious attraction, nay, even unbelievers, the indifferent or Protestants, with a strong anti-Catholic spirit would enter from curiosity or induce to seek a cure for some sick relative. And to these, the result would be unexpected blessings. The light of grace would dawn in their souls and hence on their whole families. He would say God kept them nailed to the holy face. Uh, Pray with faith. There's a couple great stories on praying with faith that uh, when Charles was talking, it made me think of that as well. Uh Here's a story from one of the distances, sometimes, however, a single prayer offered by a servant of God would obtain an instantaneous cure, and that even at a distance. He was near the window, pursuing them, one after another, keeping to himself, however, turned towards the Holy Face, as was his ordinary habit ever since his room had become an oratory. That morning, among his letters, was one from a town in the north. It was concerning a child who was very ill. The parents recommended it to the servant of the Holy Face with great piety and confidence. DuPont read the letter, and then, still holding it in his hand, he cast a look to the, on the picture with its lamp lighted before it. Lord, he said, thou seest that time presses. At a hundred leagues' distance at that very hour, in the twinkling of an eye, the child was marvelously and completely cured. A few days later, he was at tours with his father and mother, kneeling by DuPont before the Holy Face and returning. Thanks to God. DuPont's great method was to raise the confidence of the petitioners by degrees and to encourage them and communicate them the faith of the power of prayer, which makes it, as it were, omnipotent. Here is an instance in point. A young girl from the parish of Notre Dame, de Riche, had suffered from an injury to one of her feet, which had been crushed. The swelling was enormous. She was unable to walk. She had herself carried and placed before the Holy Face. All began to pray. And a young lady herself thus expressed her request aloud, My God, if it is thy good pleasure and thy will, I pray thee, grant me my cure. As the author goes, to most persons, this is a solid prayer, right? Sounds pretty good. (laughs) Not to the point. (laughs) He gets mad, he's not mad, but he goes, this is not the way to pray. He says, you have not great faith. Say straightforwardly to God, Lord, cure me. (laughs) If you want to be cured, you must command the good God. She responds, Oh, that is too much, exclaimed the poor girl. I cannot command God. He goes, uh, you have not good faith. You must, I want it to be cured. You must say, I want to be cured. Cure me. When we pray, we must have the boundless confidence and never hesitate. And yet, said the poor girl, it does not seem me that I have faith. Long story short, it goes off for a couple of pages. She ends up slowly but surely telling the Lord, Lord, cure me. Yeah, it was a over a couple months. She she ended up getting a little fixed up after she walked out. She, she just didn't have the courage to say it. She finally got the courage to do it, and she instantly started walking. No one try that right now, okay? <laughs> one of his uh, the curators of ours said the spirit of faith consists in speaking to God as one would speak to a man. The pont was speaking and, con- and conversing with God as with one more intimately present to him than any other being now and then he would turn around to a sick person and ask him with all simplicity whether he was cured so just imagine he's praying before hey, you good yet and not to keep going and literally he would just keep going and going and going perseverance it was one one account of uh, somebody uh, was it eyes or um, I think it might have been eyes another eye story went through it the first time went through it the second time went through it the third time it was like eight, nine, eight, nine times later maybe it was a novena the same day Finally got the cure out of it. So he would not stop until he got what he wanted. Perseverance. In 1856, there was another dreadful inundation of the Laura in Tours, far more disastrous than that of 1846. The holy man had beheld in the earlier catastrophe a divine warning which had been disregarded, reckless gaiety, and dissipation continuing without interruption. Oh, he exclaimed, if only... All of us at Tours could profit by this terrible chastisement, but just see, balls and entertainments are being got up in behalf of the victims of the inundation. Is not Satan pitiless? His charity consists in getting people to laugh, and every philanthropist must begin by amusing himself before hastening to the aid of an unfortunate brother. DuPont, it will be observed, had no liking for charity balls. The lying spirit, he says, would have the world believe that the rich man has charity in his heart while, in fact, he is luring his rich man by the bait of pleasure, making him think he is doing a good work when, after all, he is but insulting misfortune. In all public disasters, the Pont saw providential and mysterious events in which God manifested at once his justice and his mercy. The city was on the brink of utter destruction in 1856, pont writing to the prioress of the Benedictines at Arras, says as much. The good God, however, he added, had not willed to strike and summoned 30,000 souls to appear thus suddenly before the tribunal of his justice. Replying to her personal inquiries, he writes, A foot more, and the water would have been in my room, but we were spared. And then he says that it ceased raining, just as, at an urgent request of two good men, he had, cons- he had consented to give... Some and stood at the lamp, burning before the holy face. What he does not mention, but what we know on the testimony of others, to have been the reason for yielding with difficulty to this request, was his perfect faith that the water, which was advancing in the Rue Saint-Étienne, would stop at a line he had drawn in his garden for the protection of the holy face. And in point of fact, when the waters reached this point of demarcation, they stayed their course. The reader will remember the handful of medals of St. Benedict, which he threw into the swelling flood at the very point when the resistance of the dike eventually saved Tours from complete submersion. That was joy. This is a great one on joy. St. Paul, he remarked, was more prudent and better advised when he exclaimed, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Dupont's soul was in a state of uh, continuous joy, the reflection of which could be seen in his countenance. He was always the same, and it did not seem to know when it was to be depressed or out of spirits. Pained and afflicted he could be, but sad never. Only pagans are sad, he used to say. When by baptism we enjoy the blessedness of having a father such as God, we ought always to be happy. It is only Satan's slaves who are miserable. Miserable. He did this for 30 years. And one of the things was, if you go to the house for business, come in before the Holy Face and say some prayers. It was either come, you sit in here, or you get out. And most of everybody just said, okay, we'll do it. And they stuck around for hours. There was a sister he said, that they sat next to each other, and uh, uh, he, she said it was like talking to our Lord's servant directly from heaven. That just talked about Scripture and our Lord for hours, and he forgot what time it was. Imagine Benedict and... Uh, a scholastic talking to each other when you read this read the account of this nun it it sounded like that again this went on for 30 years the first part more of a curiosity the second part people uh, second half they break it down in halves or uh, thirds the second half or third was mostly people were they knew and if you didn't get cured he figured out that you were there just for curiosity or you didn't exhaust you weren't desperate right like you go to uh, the hospital or something, and they tried to do everything on you, and you were desperate for something. They every, nothing worked. There were some people that came by that just—he was option one, and he figured that out. That wasn't there was that wasn't faith. He told him get out, only if you had faith to come in. His mission was to get prayers public, not interested in attention, just like uh, Sister Marie Saint Pierre. Bishop Colette was the fourth bishop of Tours. When he went to Leo's bed to give him hope and lay his hands on him, kind of anoint him. Visitors were slowed down by this time. He was sick, so he wasn't downstairs. He did have servants, and they would let him in and see the, you know, see the go in front of his uh, uh, image. But uh, they wanted to see the holy man of Tours. And at the time, Lourdes was going on. There's a story of a guy going to Lourdes, got healed, blindness didn't say thanks or didn't tell anybody about the miracle or how it happened, etc. We scared people were laughing. at him. So his blindness started coming back. He went to Taurus. Told Leo about it. Leo goes, mm, it was probably because you were scared to say anything that they're taking it the back from you. Why don't you come before the image and I'll anoint you with the oil? He goes, no, 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 no. I'll just go back up the lords. He Heaven's not a competition, sir. <laughs> he anointed him and he was fine. But he did promote lords. He never got to it. Because he was so caught up in everything that was going on in his house. he couldn't leave his house. Uh, this man was one that would go travel anywhere he wanted to before the uh, four people started coming in. That's why he said nailed to the holy image he couldn't leave. Uh, Colette ended up becoming the apostle of the Holy face because six months later a Carmelite told Leo on his deathbed the prayers would be made public. Leo got to die a happy death. Leo the 13th. Started the global confraternity the year after his St. Michael revelation. So you already know about the St. Michael prayer. Heard about him having the apparition of St. Michael in the prayer. A year later, he starts the Arch-Confraternity of the Holy Face globally. Now the home of Leo is the shrine. You can uh, see some images on there now. The shrine the, where the main where the main image is still looks kind of like the same. Don't look at the chapel. It's kind of ugly. Uh, but you can still get the um, you can still get the oil. I got my oil sent for me after I joined the Arch Confraternity there, and they'll also send you a screenshot or uh, I guess or like a copy of the Martins uh, when they joined the Arch Confraternity. The whole Martin family joined. Saint Therese was enrolled at age twelve. Uh, her dad visited Leo's home quite often. Here's something you might, most people don't know about her devotion to the Holy Face. This is before she was 17 years old. Yes, devotion to the Holy Face as a means of reparation for the unspeakable crimes of our age, atheism, and government. Now, here's the book that will tell you all about it. Read it and study it, for this is the book that should make you a saint. You loved Christ's childhood? Now study his manhood and follow him right to Calvary. Therese, again, I wish to tell everyone to study and venerate the image of the Holy Face as he left it on Veronica's veil. St. Therese chose her 10-day retreat before the image of the Holy Face, surrendering surrendering to its beauty, writing about it in her own hand to Sister Agnes. There could never be any more doubt or misunderstanding as to the driving force behind Sister Therese's heroism. That was her retreat to to go into karma. Someone asked about the differences between the Holy Face and the Sacred Heart and she goes so her quotes are Now you must mention reparation. I suppose devotion to the Sacred Heart really resembles devotion to the Holy Face. Now, actually one of her sisters say that. Oh no, sister, objected Therese, if reparation to the Holy Face, as revealed to Sister Marie Saint Pierre just a few years ago were the same reparation to the Holy to the Sacred Heart revealed about two hundred years ago through Blessed Margaret Mary, why would Rome erect two separate societies, that of the sacred heart and that of the Holy Face? Well reparation is the sacred heart, reparation to the sacred heart is aimed at atoning for the coldness and indifference of those inside the fold who refuse to order their lives in accordance with charity. By doing this, they wound the Savior's heart because they already belong to him. The object of reparation to the Holy Face is to repair the insults offered to the divine majesty by those who through their own fault deliberately remain outside the church. It is for avowed atheists, for blasphemers who scoff at all religion, for all who are out of hatred profane his holy name and hold in derision all that pertains to divine worship as, for example, atheistic communists. Pius XI wrote an go about atheistic communism. By these crimes committed publicly, they strike the Savior to his face. These open outrages cause him severe mental torture, for he created them all and loves them and died for them and thirsts for their salvation. To convert them, the faithful are urged to become members of the Arch Confraternity of the Holy Face, to venerate in their homes and churches the Vera effigies and true images, and especially on Sundays to offer special prayers of reparation for these unhappy people. You see, believers who are lukewarm do not strike at God. They only bruise the heart of the Savior by their lukewarmness and their indifference at His service. Reparation of the Sacred Heart on First Fridays especially has therefore been decreed, as we have learned from Blessed Margaret Mary. However, disbelievers who openly deny God and persecute religion all commit crimes, not only against the Son of God, but against the Holy Trinity, God the Father in particular. Therefore, reparation of the Holy Face, which is aimed at atoning for these crimes against God Himself, is essentially a Sunday devotion, Trinitarian in aspect. As our Lord Himself told Sister Marie-Pierre, the Divine Head represents the Eternal Father, who is unbegotten. The mouth of the Holy Face represents the Divine Word, begotten of the Father. The two eyes, finally, represent the reciprocal love of the Father and the Son, For the two eyes have but one light, one knowledge, and they produce the one same love, which typifies the Holy Ghost. The locks of his hair represent the infinite perfections of the Most Blessed Trinity. She was asked, would you say that the Holy Face devotion is higher than the Sacred Heart? Her response, it is not a matter of which is higher. The main thing to understand is that the object of these two special devotions is to combat two particular evils of our day, very much as two different medicines might be prescribed for two different illnesses particularly aimed at the evils today, namely atheistic communism. I'll skip back to the end. At, when she was dying, she had the image put up in front of her bed and spent the whole night in, she says, spiritual combat, looking at the holy face before she died. Seeing the futility of trying to convert those who were visibly beyond the pale of logical entropy, she established herself before the image of the sacred face, it was there she made reparation with the guilty brethren whom she loved beyond words, and whose souls she determined to see safely in eternal bliss beyond the grave. Love drove her to reparation. Saint Therese had fought, survived, had fought, suffered, and prayed that the enemy who had begun his reign of terror under the name of atheistic communism might must might be destroyed. But then the saint had a secret weapon. The weapon was made known to the world by her sister, Mother Agnes of Jesus who testified before the apostolic tribunal during the process of St. Teresa's canonization, declared under oath, however tender was her devotion to the child Jesus, it cannot be compared to the devotion which she had for the holy face. Now, more of a modern one, who was actually at the canonization process, or ceremony, was a sister Maria Perarina, who at the age of 12 was attending mass, well, it was attending Good Friday service. And if you're not familiar with the pre-55, it was, uh, you, don't get, you don't receive communion on Good Friday. Uh, the uh, veneration of the cross is, as Gaurang J says, the communion of the laity. So she walks up and hears a voice, how come no one's kissing, giving me a kiss on the face? Everyone's kissing his feet. She thought everyone heard that. So she started getting mad that everyone else was still kissing feet after, after, she, after she just got that kiss in his head. Now, the medals that I got over there, too, come from her. In 36, 1936, our Lord revealed his desires to Sister Maria on the first Friday of Lent. Jesus asked Mother Maria Perina to share his spiritual agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. I desire that my face, which shows my soul's deepest anguish, my heart's sorrow and love, may be more honored. Every time that anyone gazes at my face, I will pour my love in the hearts, and by means of my holy face, the salvation of many souls will be obtained." In 37, our Lord instructed her, It may be that some souls fear that devotion and call to my holy face diminishes that towards my heart. Tell them uh, that, on the contrary, it will be completed and augmented. In contemplating my face, souls will share in all my gifts and will feel the need for love and reparation. Is that not perhaps the true devotion to my heart? I'll end with Father Matteo Crowley's uh excerpt from a lecture he gave he was the uh the uh, apostle of the sacred heart when everyone in the world if you go to the youtube channel i got a video of uh father and i talking about him "Quote: are you zealous are you really zealous are you really apostles of the holy face of jesus you must be the ones to set fire to other hearts how many catholics there are who have not grasped the duty of being apostles the duty of gratitude It is our positive duty, our obligation to bring others to Jesus, to give him not only our souls, but the souls of others. Be grateful and generous in giving to the treasure of the holy face of Jesus, which our Lord has entrusted to your care, lavishing this treasure of souls on poor, starving souls. It is sad that so few truly love Jesus.